Okay, we are here for episode three of the Firehouse Forum podcast. Happy New Year. Uh, we are starting the year off in a very frigid firehouse uh, dressing room. So um, if there's a little bit of chattering of teeth during the podcast today, uh, I apologize, but um, it's a little chilly back here. Um, we have some great guests. Uh, we are barreling full steam ahead towards the opening of a new opera here at the firehouse. Um, it is called To Damascus, and it will be opening in a couple weeks. So this will be the first main stage show opening in Richmond in the new year. And it's going to be a challenging show. And um, I'm going to be talking to the director of the show, who also happens to be the producing artistic director at the firehouse, and my boss, Joel Basson. He'll be here a little bit later. Uh, but before that, we'll be talking to Kim Fox, who is the musical director, um, is a musical director. And she's also a professor at Randolph-Macon College and a private piano teacher. Uh, she's been the musical director for a ton of my favorite shows over the years, um, including It Should Have Been You at Triangle Players and Violet at Cadence Theater, uh, Next to Normal a few years ago. And she is um, on tap to be the musical director for Wings that will be opening here at Firehouse just after Valentine's Day in February. Uh, I brought her in, I asked her in here today also to talk uh, about Georgia Rogers Farmer's next cabaret, which will be at Richmond Triangle Players next Friday and Saturday, June, or I'm sorry, January 12th and 13th. And um, for our Isn't She Awesome segment, Georgia herself will be here to talk about the, the cabaret, which she is calling the Rebellious Resolution Review. And uh, Georgia finished up a pretty busy 2017 with a role in the Andrews Brothers at Swift Creek Mill, just closed on New Year's Eve. And uh, she also received an RTCC nomination for her work in It Should Have Been You. And she also appeared in Beauty and the Beast at Virginia Rep. So her cabaret's opening uh, in a couple weeks, and we will talk to her about that. And um, so stay tuned. That'll be up next. Okay, we are here with Kim Fox. She is the she was the musical director for It Should Have Been You at Richmond Triangle Players most recently. Um, is there something more recent? Should I say something? Yes, oh. Murder Ballad. For oh, that's right. Fifth Wall at Club Infusion. Mm. You see, you're so busy. I can't keep up with all the <laughs> stuff that you're doing. But yes, you just did Murder Ballad. It was a great show um, at a very interesting location. Um, which we can talk about in a little bit. I'm still introducing you, though, so we can't... Okay. <laughs> you know, you can talk it just a minute. Okay. Um, but you had a very busy year last year. I also musical-directed uh, Violet and Fun Home for Cadence. Just Violet. Oh, okay. All right, sorry about that. Just Violet for Cadence. Um, and you are set to be the musical director for Wings. At, Correct, yes. um, That will be at Firehouse starting in February. So... Um, one of the reasons you're here also today is that um, in a minute, we're going to be bringing in Georgia Rogers Farmer, and you are the musical director for her cabarets, the last few cabarets she's had as yes. well. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Well, thanks for coming in on this frigid January <laughs> day. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. <laughs> it's 
cold. Yes, it is. It's a little chilly. Have you had a good New Year so far? So far. Okay. (laughs) Two days in and we're doing all right. The furnace is still working, so yeah, life is good. (laughs) Cool. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, uh, many one of many reasons, is that um, there's a lot of people, when I talk to them about being involved in theater, being an actor or, um, you know, being involved on stage is something that's pretty obvious. You, you know, go take classes, you work, you, you, know, you mm-hmm. take classes at Spark or, um, but how do you get to be a musical director? How does that, what's the trajectory? What's the, how did you end up where you are? Ooh, mine is definitely a non-traditional trajectory. Okay. I got a bachelor's of music education from Appalachian State University and dabbled in theater through the years. Okay. How, did, how, how did that dabbling, like people asked you to play for shows? People or? would ask me to play for shows. I did the Fantastics. I spent a summer in West Virginia, Greenbrier Valley Theater. Okay. Five shows in 13 weeks. <laughs> wow. Young. Um, <laughs> I played keyboard two for Dames at Sea at the Barter Theater okay. in Abingdon. Took a brief detour to work in the real world and kept the music going. I played in churches. I played in a band. On uh, about 10 years ago, Amy Haruska contacted me. We, we were both teaching okay. at Randolph-Macon, and she said, hey, uh, Firehouse needs help with the show. And this was a very merry children's unauthorized Scientology Scientology show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was really my first show here in Richmond. And I don't think I've stopped since. (laughs) (laughs) And were you living in Richmond at that time? Yes. Okay. Because I did... that's funny. I didn't realize that that was your first show here. Yeah. That was that doesn't seem like it was too long ago, but it doesn't. <laughs> <clears throat> well, so how? I guess I'm curious. You know, you have a background in in musical in, in playing music. Mm-hmm. Um, what is different between being a you know being in the band, being a piano player, mm-hmm. and being a musical director? What what? How do you make that leap from just playing the music to then directing what you have to do for a musical theater production? It's it's a lot more work. (laughs) (laughs) I instead of just concentrating on what I'm doing, what the musicians are doing, I have to listen to what they're singing. A lot of it goes back to teaching. Okay. Early on in the rehearsal process, we're learning notes, rhythms, harmonies, all that stuff, and putting it together and going over it and going over it, and then putting the whole puzzle together. Okay. And is that something that, I mean, I I imagine this works differently for different directors, but is that something that you're generally, it's kind of handed over to you and you just run with it, or is there a lot of interplay with the director on how that's coming together? It depends Mm -hmm. on the director and the show. I welcome all input. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, just putting the puzzle together. Okay. Um, How do you prefer it? Do you like to be, do you like to be, you know, in charge of your own, master of your own domain, or do you like to get that input and get that direction? (laughs) Um... (laughs) In general, master of my own domain. No, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm bossy. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but yeah, if if you've got an, an idea, give it to me. Okay. If and we'll try it. 
if it works, great. If it doesn't, I'll let you know that too. Okay. I, I did want to, I'm glad that you mentioned Murder Ballot because that was such, you know, it was at, uh, it was basically at a bar restaurant. Yeah. Um, so that's not traditionally, a traditional locale venue set up for theater. Mm-hmm. Is there things that you had to do um, specifically to work in that location? Did you have to work with, I know Joey Luck was the sound designer. Did you have to work with him to get certain things out of the band or set them up specifically? Joey Luck was an absolute magician. <laughs> um, it was fun doing a show in a bar, but there were a couple of challenges. Um, just almost every night after the show, the band had to tear down the equipment. Oh, boy. Because they had a dance party or some private event booked. Okay. So I bought my musician's drinks. And um, <laughs> the, the way the club is set up, it's not conducive to sound engineering right uh and joey had trouble hearing from the booth and um he he just worked his magic okay and there were different levels in the club i mean i would tell people to come sit on the floor Mm -hmm. rather than on the side where the couches were because the sound was better but it was a very immersive experience it it was fun yeah yeah well i I enjoyed going to it that's for sure was um do you enjoy i mean because i know you play private events i know you, mm-hmm. you do private lessons still private right? lessons okay can you teach my son because he's going to apply to appomattox governor school sure okay i'm going to bring him in next and you can we, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk <about laughs> um but um so do you prefer is there something that is more enjoyable to you do you like being in charge to, to see a whole show come together do you like working on a situation with Georgia where it's more, I guess, you know, a smaller scale thing? Or how do you prefer to work? Or do you like it all? Oh, gosh. It's all fun. Yeah. It's all fun. Doing a show, theatrical show, is like going to the most fun office job in the world. (laughs) We all have our jobs. We all have our widgets to produce. And I have my little thing. And the Mm -hmm. stage manager, lighting, sound, and the actors and the costumers. And it all just comes together. You learn to do your thing. And we go to the art factory and make art and make people laugh or cry or think. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's fun. And Working with Georgia is is just a blast. Yeah. She's beautiful, funny, intelligent, sings like an angel, and we just have fun. That's good. And is that the process with her, and I guess we can talk to her about it more, too. And in fact, you can give me your answer now and then, you know, modulate it for when she's actually here. <laughs> um, but is that, does she come with all of her ideas and you re- have to respond to them, or do you come with your ideas too and you kind of develop that together uh mostly it's her ideas Mm -hmm. she has she picks the songs um my favorite thing to say she might kill me when we (laughs) rehearse we rehearse the music okay um create those arrangements but then when it comes to the actual show None of us know what she's going to do in between songs. (laughs) And there have been times when I've almost fallen off the piano bench laughing. (laughs) And I have to pull it together. Right. Is there, do you have any, because I know there, um, one of the first shows that Georgia was in was um, Title of Show. And that's a show where the musical director actually kind of gets pulled in. Right. Do you have any? 
Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say I didn't do that show. But anyway, I know. Sorry. I, but I, is there, do you have, you know, there's some people, not theater critics or anybody like that, who want to be on stage and choose other things because they're better at them. But is there something that, you know, do you have any interest in being on stage? None yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. I did Musical of Musicals, the musical, uh-huh. at Richmond Triangle Players in 2012, let's say. Okay. And I was smack dab on stage. Yeah. Even had my own little wireless microphone, and I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't your favorite thing. Not my favorite thing. Um, for Violet, the band was on stage. Right. Um, she's making faces. <laughs> um, um, happiest to be backstage. backstage. Um, yeah. I don't need to be out front or anything. Okay. What <clears throat> What would you, um, if there are other people who uh, would like to pursue musical direction as a as a vocation, how would you um, school them or how would you consult? I'm sure now there are classes taught mm-hmm. in college about that same subject, but my advice is to say yes to the opportunities. I've kind of worked my way up to where I am now. Um, just to be open to trying new things. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, my brain is freezing, Dave. Oh, well, it's cold. It's understandable. <laughs> um, just, just be willing to work with people and see yeah. what they have to offer and be responsible. Uh, show up when you say you're going to show up. Yeah, that seems pretty uh, universal. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Is, it, uh, is there anything about it that's like being a conductor as far as you... In your yes, room? yes, okay. especially working with the musicians and playing piano keyboards. I've conducted with my head, with my elbows, <laughs> and right. you know whatever is not in use at the moment. Um, the, a lot of conducting. Right. Although after a week or two of the run, they know what's going to happen. Yeah. And do you get? Do you ever get? Um, I think. Because you're working with the singers as well, the mm-hmm. actors, singers. Um, do you get pushback at all sometimes from people who've been around? You know, I'm just thinking about people who may come with their own ideas, um, actors, singers, about how they want things to go. Do they get? Do they push back at all on some of your directions? Um. And do you have to smack them? <laughs> We'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. Um, this is coming out in your book, right? It's, a, it's all in the book, yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I think that's all part of the rehearsal process. Okay. Um, figuring out what what they want, what I want, what's best for the show, what's best for the story and the song. Um, and having said that, there'll be nights when things just don't go as we rehearse. Okay. And you... Keep playing. So improvisational skill is also a little... Improvisational, this. paying attention. Yeah. Okay. And that's chapter 14 in the book. <laughs> All right. Um, so Wings doesn't open for, you know, another five, six weeks. Right. So where are you in the... So as a musical director, what are you doing now as part of preparing for the show? Practicing the music. Okay. Listening... Recre- reading through the the script, the libretto, and 
see exactly what's going on okay. in the story. Uh, we'll start rehearsing next week. Um, okay. Getting ready for the Acts of Faith preview. All right. Oh, that's right. Acts of Faith will be... January 14th. January 14th. Okay. So that's a kind of special reason to rehearse a little bit earlier, a little bit more intensely? Um, yes, both. <laughs> okay. Um, and do you have all your musicians already? Got the musicians lined up. I'll work in a separate rehearsal with just the musicians. Okay. And usually I wait until I've been with a cast mm-hmm. and the director for a couple weeks. Okay. Because things have been known to change uh-huh, from right. <laughs> the school. In theater, really? Things change? It's crazy. Uh, every now and then, yeah. Okay. Um, but just to see what what it's going to sound like with the singers, the actors. Okay. And then I can cue the musicians appropriately. Okay. Well, um, I wanted to finish up by asking you uh, a question that I'm going to put you on the spot, um, which is I was curious what you've worked in so many shows um, during your time. Um, what have been some of your favorites and why? I mentioned it should have been you because that I've heard from people who are involved in the show and it seemed, you know, being in the audience, it just seemed like everybody was having such a great time. That that was so much fun. Um, do you want specific songs, moments? And, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and it should have been you. Duran and Jesse consistently cracked me up night after night with the wedding song. Okay. <laughs> uh, consistently. I would be laughing. We would all be laughing in the band. Uh, Violet... Um, on my way. Okay. That song, yeah, that got my blood going every night. Um, what do you think people are going to like most about Wings coming up? Ooh. Mm. Because it's a, it's a show that many people are not going to be familiar, most people are not going to be familiar with. So Correct. Um, I think it will affect a lot of people who... Um, are dealing with a relative family member who is experiencing the same things that Emily goes through, the lead character, after she has a stroke. And um, I've already cried a couple times reading the script. Um, Yeah, I think that will will, um, hit home with a lot of people. Okay. Well, cool. I think... um George is going to be here any second, so we'll wrap it up here, okay. and then we'll pick it up again when she gets here. We'll turn on the heat. Yay! <laughs> Hooray right. for heat! Okay, thanks for coming in. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Dave. All right, take care. Okay, we're back. And now, along with Kim Fox, we have Georgia Rogers-Farmer. Hi, Georgia. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for coming thank, in. Thank you for having me. Everybody knows Georgia, but I'm going to do an intro anyway. Oh. She, <laughs> she just finished up at the with the Andrews Brothers at Swift Creek Mill, closed last week. Um, she has received an RTC nomination for her work, and it should have been you last year. Busy yes. year for you. Um, you're also in Virginia Rep's Beauty and the Beast. Yes, sir. And um, you are preparing another cabaret, which will be opening next weekend, the 
Yes, Sorry. January 12th and 13th. You, you guys knew that, right? Well, now we do. <laughs> um, at Richmond Triangle Players. Um, this one is called, I have it written down, but... Rebellious Resolution right. Review. Okay, where does, I'll start out with, where does that title come from? Well, um, this title comes from that I've never really done a cabaret in January. Okay. And I thought around the 12th or 13th, most people have broken their resolutions <laughs> or given up or changed in right. some way. So yeah. uh, I'm no different than that. So I just thought it'd kind of be fun. And I pulled some pictures from my childhood for marketing and stuff. So okay. just made myself giggle. That's all. Right. all. Did you ha- do you have any New Year's resolutions? Um, I usually just have the same ones: be healthier, lose weight, be a better person. Oh boy! Wear more lipstick. <laughs> now those two go hand in hand, though, don't they? <laughs> Which ones? The, the, <laughs> a better person and lipstick. Yeah, isn't that? Yeah. Those are. Mm-hmm. I think it does make you better. Okay, I mean it's always been my situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so are you going to be breaking any resolutions on stage? During the cabaret? Certainly, yes. <laughs> okay. As many as I can put into two acts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So are you two meeting yet on the cabaret, or is this like, are you going to meet after this and start planning it? How, how, no, what? no. We um, met, and we have rehearsal tonight, have, actually, yeah, with the do. band, uh-huh. and then rehearsal next week, and then we're just going to go for it. Okay. So, um... This one is a little different because uh, everyone's been so busy. Right. So there's like slightly less rehearsal, but we always sling it together and yeah. everybody knows what they're doing. So yeah, good luck to us. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, I was talking to Kim a little bit before you came in about how the development process for the cabaret happens. So is it is it something where you've been percolating ideas for a long time and you like you and Kim to get together and just throw them all together or how does that for sure um I would say probably every single day I'm working on some sort of cabaret I have a big notebook Uh of ideas and things I rip out of magazines or just especially in the car I get really good ideas in the car okay driving because we drive to North Carolina a lot to see family and Mm -hmm. it just always seems to I don't know if it's the time alone or what but um yeah so I'd say one's always percolating and then it's just a matter of choosing because my lists are long about songs I'd like to sing, themes I'd like to have, stories I'd like to tell, crafts I'd like to make. <laughs> and it's just a matter of kind of picking and choosing. Okay. And then we get together and I say, is this ridiculous? Or can't, should I? And she'll be like, girl, whatever, I guess. <laughs> or no. Yeah, pretty much girl, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can She'll do, you, do anything. I appreciate it. I was going to say, so is there times that you have to say, what, what's wrong with you, Georgia? Or, what, what, we can't do that. Rarely. 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 Okay. We'll try anything once, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And I think when it comes down to it, the band in general would say, this is a big mistake if I was going to make a big mistake. I mm-hmm. hope. Mm-hmm. And not let me go out there and fail okay <laughs> never never we got sure? you. they're not like rubbing their hands maybe. right there going hmm, maybe this may be the time yeah good idea georgia <laughs> go ahead <laughs> well okay so people can see if that's what happens this time yeah, it might be. Hmm. <clears throat> well um one of the things so this segment you know this is our third podcast this is um a segment i have been calling um isn't she awesome or isn't he awesome if it's a he? So uh, one of the reasons I think you are so awesome oh is gosh. that um, 
So you were the hostess of the 2015 Artsies Awards. Yes. Um, and what was so clear about that, one of the reasons people were talking about you as as being a good choice for that is that you can, we had had dual hosts before that, and that basically you could carry a whole show by yourself. And I think that is one of the things that I think is so impressive about you is that you are... Um, you're you're one of those entertainers that really commands the stage that you really um you know when you're on stage there's nowhere nowhere else that anybody wants to look that is so uh, nice well i i just think that's Dang. Thanks. <laughs> um so that's why i think you're one of the reasons i think you're awesome Thank you so much. besides the you know you sing awesomely and you dance and well you, <laughs> um well act um move act like that? i dance yeah. right mm-hmm. um so i'm gonna let kim say uh step up and say why she thinks george is awesome oh, putting you on the spot again embarrassing yeah for us both <laughs> say something nice thousand bucks yeah um <laughs> No, seriously, Georgia is a force of nature. Yeah. Um, she's beautiful, she's smart, she's funny, she sings like an angel, and it's just so damn much fun working with her. Oh my gosh, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to barf. <laughs> Don't do it here because it'll freeze like immediately. It'll True. Really just... <laughs> okay. It's, it's, just, it's just fun. Thank you both so much. Yeah, sure. Well, and one of the things I think is kind of amazing... I think about a lot of performers I know who are so um they're so talented but they don't they don't have an ego don't seem to um and I was doing some research you're the youngest of four daughters is I am mm-hmm. do you, is that do you think I have four kids I know my youngest kind of just goes along cuz he has to <laughs> um it, did that have any effect on your style um, attitude perspective probably i mean my sisters beat the hell out of me okay so um, that will do it no yeah. i'm just kidding they um my sisters are all kind of um really close in age and then seven years later oops oh, okay. i came along wow. so um uh, best mistake of my parents life i'm just kidding uh, and so uh i don't i've never really thought if that has had an influence on me, but I love my sisters and I love my family and I like um, being from a bigger family. And I think one of the things I had was a lot of freedom growing up because my parents were older and they were kind of like, we're tired, whatever. (laughs) You know, they went to bed at eight 30 every night so I could watch whatever I wanted to on TV or write whoever I wanted or whatever. Um, So I'm sure it influenced me greatly. Yes. And music was a big part of our family as well. Right. Well, and so you started playing piano when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, do you ever want to kick Kim off stage and just like take care, take, do it all? Um, no. <laughs> you did I, it. I did last cabaret you, though. Yeah, you you played piano and sang a song, and I went to the bar and got a beer. Right. It, it was well, good. She didn't mind that. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it would be nice to like have a little nightclub gig or something, just sit over in the corner and play and sing. But okay. I no, yeah. no, that's fine with me. You can't do crafts at the same time, though, right? No. Yeah. Takes yeah. a lot for the craft. That's so important. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, in 2012, 
according to my research, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you did, um, you brought one of your cabarets to New York. I did. Um, how did it go up there? Um, it went pretty well up there. I had a connection at that club, and um, which is the only reason I came about. But, you know, I know I have so many friends in New York City, but no yeah. one's actually in New York City because they live in New York City, but they are working at a theater in Philadelphia yeah. right. or, you know, they're traveling. So it wasn't as well attended as I would wanted because oh, wow. people just weren't there. Hmm. Um, I'd say there were maybe like 40 people there. Okay. Um, because of course on the street, you're not going to be visiting New York city and say, Oh my God, George Rogers farmers here. <laughs> Let's go. No <laughs> one knows me. So, um, but it was a really fun experience, um, to see my name, like on the marquee in New York city. Ooh, yeah. So that's a little thing checked off. No big deal. It's a little jazz club, but, um, and I took my band from North Carolina that had played with me for years and years up there and they just had a blast. So it was a big adventure for us all. Okay. Um, and it was fun. It okay. was really fun. Of course, I didn't make one single dime and <laughs> lost money in the end. Oh, so geez. it was, it ended up being, I paid to go do that. Wow. Which is not a fun thing. Yeah. Um, all that work. Not a great career. Yeah. But I understand it. You know, I understand how it works and um, you could get a following and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. not, I did not. Well, your, <laughs> your cabarets are so well, I mean, I think, the one at Triangle Players in two weekends is virtually sold out already. There's so, a few seats left, which okay. I'd like anyone listening to buy the last few tickets. Thank okay. you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I checked Friday seats. Look for Friday seats because I Friday, didn't see any yeah. on Saturday. Um, so do you have any interest or desire to expand, you know, go out into other markets or bigger markets or? Um, not necessarily bigger markets, but I really would love to, not necessarily tour a bit, mm -hmm. but maybe like once a quarter go to another theater in another state and get in on their cabaret series or something. That would be really, really fun just because I love doing the cabarets and it would be adventurous and just to experiment with different audiences in different states and whatnot would be yeah. fun. But I have absolutely no clue how to go about that or, <laughs> you know, it's not like I have an agent or anything. Okay. So... I'm busy here, and I love it. So well, and speaking for of now. busy, you, you're also mm -hmm. making bow ties now, which um, I am. How did how did that come about? Half whistle bow ties. Half whistle, yes. Um, I so I consider myself a domestic goddess and always make arts and crafts for the audience. Not everyone gets something, but you know I try. And so one year I made bow ties for a few lucky audience members oh, and they cool. really enjoyed them. I got a lot of comments and then a few friends were like, hey, can you make me one? Hey, can you make me one? Can you make me one? So I started making a few and then I thought, wait, why Why am I doing this for free? <laughs> um, I like it because I can sit at home and kind of be in control of it and do it at midnight if I want. It's not like a, quote, real job. Right. So um, it just took off. So I thought... It was a good thing to do because I enjoy it, and hopefully there will always be occasions for bow ties. There's proms and weddings yeah, and yeah. artsies and all kinds of things. I would I would think artsies alone would, you know, be, <laughs> you'd get dozens of yeah, orbits just from that. Not dozens, but probably a dozen. And then, like with the stuff I had this fiscal year, I'd say that that was just enough for me, okay. you know, because it's just me. Yeah. You know, I don't have a team. Yeah. So I was I was satisfied with the orders and everything. And it's fun to market and try to think of different 
photos and everything. Right. I like it. You could, you know, you could have the band working on bow ties while you're performing, you know, True. during rehearsals <laughs> or right. something. You could have a little multitask. In there. Exactly. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> You ready for that? No. no. Okay. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> well, I had I had kind of one of those deep, you know, theater questions to ask you, which is um, you are an actress. You, you know, you perform on stage, but you also do these cabarets. Are you, do you consider yourself, do, do you play yourself in your cabarets or is that a character that you're playing or some kind of amalgam of both or how does that how do you work through that as like a acting um i challenge? would say that i am myself just a little amped up okay um because it always surprises me after the show especially to my husband tim people say you know she makes those stories up it's just how does she do that <laughs> but they're true they're <laughs> okay. all true mm. and just the fact that everyone thinks i'm up there making them up the things that happened to me which aren't really that weird mm. I don't know maybe it's the way I present them or whatever but um I would say that almost everything is true and that I am just a hyped up version of me okay because I would not always be that entertaining for sure <laughs> I don't think it's a character yeah um so Kim you know you know Georgia offstage and on stage what do you what is your perspective on that I think it has a lot to do with growing up in the South, don't huh. you? Because we're all crazy. <laughs> we're just, crazier. Crazier. Yeah. Uh, and we we tell stories about it. We're not ashamed of it. We just say, okay, this really happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah and, that probably has a lot to do with but, that. But, yeah, in everyday life, she's really dull. <laughs> hmm. I have a hard time doing that. <laughs> Well, um, I think that's probably going to do it for us. Is there any anything else um, people should know about your cabaret coming up? Um, my cabaret coming up, the only thing I'd like to say is I'm kind of dedicating it to Richmond Triangle Players because it's their 25th anniversary this year. Okay. So it's going to be a mix of some things I've done in past cabarets, kind of best of, with some new things as well. So I'm really excited about it and hope that um, all those tickets get scarfed up. Um, I I have no doubt that they will. They yeah. always sell out. So come come one, come all, and get a martini. <laughs> okay. Now, do you have, um, is there other uh, roles coming down the road that you can let us in on? Or is that... Sure. Um, I'm going to be doing John and Jen okay. um, with Chris Hester at Hat Theater in March. Okay. I'm really excited about it. I love that show, and it's going to be a really big challenge, and I'm excited and um, I'm doing a cabaret in North Carolina in February. And I think that that is all okay. for now. You're going to have any time to make bow ties in between all that work? Sure. Yeah. Bring okay. on the orders. All right. Order tickets, <laughs> order bow ties. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I'll hire some people. All right. Well, I need a, I need a sponsor. Can we work something See? out? We, yeah. we should talk yeah. after this. Totally. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming in. I really thank appreciate you. it. Good luck with the cabaret. Thanks for I'm having sure me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Thank Georgia. you, Dave. All right. Okay, now we're here with Joel Bassin, who is, most importantly, my boss, um, but he is also the producing artistic director here at the Firehouse, uh, at Firehouse Theater. Uh, he came to the Firehouse after working as the... Uh, Chair and Production Manager for Hunter College Department of Theater. 
Um, he has a long... I'm not going to read through all these credits. I'm sorry, Joel. There's just too much here. No, it's okay. Uh, but he got his PhD from the Graduate Center at uh, City University of New York, um, has directed several shows here at Firehouse, most recently Food, Clothing, and Shelter, uh, just this past season. So you are currently prepping a new opera to Damascus Yeah, that will be opening in a couple weeks. And... Um, I just wanted to check in and, and see how it's going. Sure. You know, it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's going. Um, <laughs> yeah. When people say, you know, what's it about? I say, well, it's about an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> okay. um, and it, you know, reminds me once again that every show you do, you sort of just, it's like you just landed on this planet and you have to figure everything out from zero. Okay. Um, and it's been a really sort of um, freeing um, realization. Huh. So, of course, I'm not the person who has to be on stage okay. singing these notes and yeah. all this stuff, but I'm pretty chill about it. And and I, I, I was saying for a while that a weaker person would have gone running from the theater a long time <laughs> ago. I mean, and, you know, any play is hard. Right. Big plays are harder. As you said, Food, Clothing, and Shelter, I think we had 17 actors in that show, yeah. um, plus the sideshow performers. So that was a pretty big group of people to sort of wrangle. Um, but more and more, and again, I'm sort of really testing this with to Damascus, is, you know, you can get really specific and detail-oriented and make this thing that the audience goes, yeah, that was a really good show. And it's okay. like, oh, well, did you recognize the moment where that person put their left hand in their right hand pocket <laughs> to manifest this idea of the contradictions of existence? And it's like, <laughs> no, I didn't see that. And so I go, well, then why are we, you know, why am I'm I working so, so much time on that? Yeah. yeah right. So it's just, you know, I think that, you know, I've been really lucky to work with some really incredible artists and um, the payoff is... Uh, that I get to learn a lot. And uh, I've been working with um, a guy named Jim Findlay, who he's opening a, his own opera oh. um, that I'm producing at the kitchen in New York on Tuesday, January 9th. Oh, wow. And So this is happening at the same time. It's happening at exactly the same time. It's a okay. very weird thing. And it's about the war in heaven. Um uh, which to Damascus has sort of a resonance with that sort of religious myth anyway. But what, what I keep learning from Jim, and one of our slogans on a show that we did uh, right before this one that he's opening on January 9th is, how little can we do? And mm -hmm. it was appropriate for that piece, it, uh, and I won't go into the, all the details, but what we learned every time we sort of came up against some obstacle or were really challenged by, uh, you know, one disaster after another, we would sort of, you know, we'd meet and we'd say, okay, here are our options. What do we, you know, how do we, you know, where do we go from here? And one or the other of us would say, hey, remember our slogan? How little can we do? Let's huh. just take a step back, not get panicked, and, you know, let's see what happens. And in every single case the perfect thing ended up happening. Wow. Okay. So I don't know what that says about, you know, the art making process or destiny or, you know, Jim's um, genius as a, a performance maker, but you really can, you know, make things a lot more complicated and get in your own way. And so with this one, I'm doing my best to sort of stay sort of, um, well, staying positive, of course, is a very good thing. <laughs> okay. And, 
you know, saying, look, whatever we get to is what we get to. Mm. And uh, again, because I, I've been really lucky in the people I've been able to work with, uh, for those people who are familiar with the work of the Wooster Group, they were a big influence on, on me and my, my, my performance-making process. And those shows were never done. Mm. Uh, we would revive a show that had made... 10 years earlier, and every performance, the call would be, you know, four o'clock and we'd run through stuff. And, and it, it would was, be different every time? It would be, well, it would be, it would be, it would be, you know, it not necessarily different, but it would be, um, it'd be something that, that you were still in the process of making. Hmm. Not that was, it was set, but you were trying to get closer to what, perfection or some idea of that was. Hmm. So so I'm uh you know this this opera just because of the nature of the libretto and and the fact that we have the composer in the room with us and we have two great music directors and a really good company there you know it it it's a good time to um sort of apply these lessons and say okay we're going to work through this thing try some ideas get to whatever we can get to right. once we bring an audience in and it's going to be spectacular but what spectacular means <laughs> two weeks before the performance i i have a vision in my head but it changes every time we get together hmm. so it uh you know it's 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 i think we're on track okay there's enough time um and so i'm I'm looking forward to what it ends up being. So now this is, you know, this is a technically an opera. So how is that, you know, for people who, you know, come to Firehouse for theater? Yeah. How is this different, the same? How, you know, what should people expect? Well, I, yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think I told you the story the other day um, uh, that, or maybe I didn't, that uh, my wife, Laura, was at a dinner party with some people who had associations with Firehouse and they were talking about the opera, and one of them, according to Laura, said, well, I hope it's good. <laughs> and that really froze me for a minute, and I said, well, but we hope everything is good, right. but there are no guarantees. Now, I think what they meant was, I hope it's a good opera, hmm. right? And so I, I sort of had to, I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, you know, what is, what is an opera? How is it different than musical theater? Okay. The National Endowment for the Arts has an opera category, but they have also have a theater and musical theater category. Hmm. Um, and so I, I think that the answer to your question is what, what the aim, what, what my hope is for everything that we do, and I would say this is true for every kind of performance experience, is that the best audience is an audience who comes in open. Not mm. expecting anything. Okay. So you know they they're going to know what opera is, whether they're opera lovers or they just are human beings who <laughs> are aware. But the 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 when people ask me what's it about, other than being a smartass and saying about an hour and forty minutes, <laughs> I say it's it's about questions of what this is, mm. and that's I think it's um. You know, I've only been in Richmond for three years. I don't get out a lot because I'm here all the time. <laughs> but I'm pretty, my guess is that people who are going to come see this are going to, it's not going to be like anything they've, they'll, they've experienced or anything that they expect. Right. So uh, I think what, what, what it is, there will be people singing. Okay. 
Um, music, I'm assuming. There will be musicians. <laughs> uh, that's one of the coolest parts is there is going to be an orchestra of 15 or 16 musicians playing this show. Um, and we have five spectacular vocalists. Uh, they're all, and, and so, so that's, there's going to be that criteria that is the defining feature of opera that, that will be here. Um, I've been following all of these, uh, the New York Times coverage of this uh, task at the Met, which just today they wrote the review and they said it wasn't worth all the big mess, hmm. basically. Um, what, what my experience in sort of the experimental performance world has been is that we've, I've worked with companies and, and Jim Findlay now in New York, as I said, is doing this electronic opera. So we, you know, labels don't mean a whole lot. I mean, to me, it's just all performance. There right. are performers. In this case, there are musicians. And then there's the audience. But usually what grand opera means is, you know, sets. Right. A, you know, high production values. It's eye candy to compensate, I think, for the mostly static quality of opera performance, right. which is about the vocal production. So you can't... You know, it's, it's changed stand, recently. It's more standing and singing rather yep, than... Yeah, or a, a term that I learned, I think, from DJ Gray, park and bark. Um, <laughs> nice. And, uh, you know, so opera has been dealing with sort of um, the question of what's the future of opera? Because it's way expensive. The, the, the idea of classical grand opera, you know, La Scala, the Met, few institutions around the world... That will probably always survive as some sort of, you know, historical experience. But if you want to have a living art form, you have to really adapt to what, you know, people's frame of reference. Right. So with, with To Damascus, we're sort of, I've, I've been subtitling it an anti-opera. And I don't mean I'm opposed to opera. I mean anti-opera in the way that Ionesco meant that Bold Soprano was an anti-play. Hmm. And when people said, well, if you're writing a play, how can it be an anti-play? And he said, well, I'm not rejecting the idea of theater. I'm just rejecting the idea of traditions and conventions that I have inherited about the theater. And I'm making something that rejects those and tries to, you know, show a new path. Hmm. And I don't have any, you know, great ambitions for, you know, revolutionizing the form. I'm just trying to make something that's interesting to me with right. the material that I have. And so we're sort of really focusing in Firehouse, um, because our space is so intimate, on the sound. <clears throat> you know, the music that's going to be played, which Walter Braxton, the composer, uh, has written this beautiful score. And uh, then the, the, the vocalists are performing this libretto, which is in English, Mostly, um, there is a uh, um, a Latin Gloria and a German um, piece from the Catholic Mass. Mass, <clears throat> but it, it, it's it's Walter is a uh, you know he's 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 an old fashioned music hmm. opera composer guy, okay. and that's what he's written. So it's not Philip Glass. It's okay. not atonal music, even though there is some some moments of atonality and the libretto is you know pretty standard in many senses of arias resuscitatives um uh and you know i won't go into all the sources that walter packed into his libretto but 
Um, the way that, you know, the other layer of this anti-opera idea that I'm playing with is what happens uh, if you remove all fiction from performance? Hmm. And of course you can't because everything that we do in life is performative. Right. Um, uh, if there's somebody watching. Um, but for me, what that meant, and I sort of came to this idea working on Bo's play Food, Clothing, and Shelter, which was a play about a circus troupe getting stranded outside a small wind restaurant town in 1927. Right. And we talked a little bit about the difference between a circus performer and a theater performer. Hmm. And a circus performer is actually doing the thing they're doing. Right. So a tightrope walker is actually walking on a tightrope. And they can perform that it's very difficult or they're almost about to fall to put some suspense into it as if watching somebody walk on a tightrope, you know, however many feet above you isn't suspenseful <laughs> enough. But actors, you know, are pretending to do things. Okay. So even when they're crossing to sit down on a couch, they're not really crossing and sitting down <laughs> on a couch. They're performing <clears throat> sitting down and crossing to sit on a couch. Right. And they, they've been directed to do they've that. They've been directed to do it. <laughs> And so, you know, the other thing people have been asking me a lot is, what's the story? Right. And I go, there is no story. And that's very upsetting to a lot of people. Right. Um, Tennessee Dixon, um, who uh, works here um, and is, you know, just won an artsy for her uh, contributions in uh, video design, projection design, mm -hmm. um, you know, her take is that Richmond is, and it's not just Richmond, it's most places, are very story-based. Sure. That's the world we live in. Um, well, what happens if you remove the story? And again, back to Jim Findlay, a piece that we made, um, we, he came up with, well, I don't know if he found it or if his uh, other collaborator, Jeff Jackson, who's a wonderful novelist, came up with um it's the theory of secondary elaboration, which I think I mentioned to you before, mm -hmm. which is a psychological theory that comes out of dream science and sleep studies that some uh, investigators and scientists and scholars believe that when we dream, they're just these isolated images. And then upon waking, we create a narrative to connect them. Right. And that people use secondary elaboration in everything, but mo a lot in performance, in an abstract performance. Right. So I've seen this over and over again is that, you know, story doesn't necessarily need to be the primary aim of a performance. Audiences will find a story if right. they want. Uh, and if they don't, you know, <laughs> they'll have an aesthetic experience of these isolated moments right. that, um, you know, are going to be moving or affect them on some level or be, you know, intellectually... Um, you know, provocative or appealing. Well, but I think that's part, one of the things that's most interesting often when you leave any kind of performance is talking to whoever you went with. And so what did you think it was about? Well, I thought it was about this. And what? It's not about that. It was about this. And I mean, that interplay is, happens even if it's very, you know, very story-based. Yeah, it's that's absolutely true. And that that's, you know, the 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 sort of... there is There is an audience in the world who wants an open experience mm -hmm. who doesn't want them to be told this is what the movie of the week is right um and then there are other people who really um like story um there are other people who need story the the interesting thing with you know this the audience experience at two damascus is going to be you know how are people going to respond there uh 
you know, even in traditional opera, I mean, opera people are crazy. I don't think that there's a similarity. I mean, within theater, it might be Shakespeare fanatics okay. who want it done a certain way because right. Shakespeare is God, right? But opera people are even more like sort of it's, it has to be done a certain way. Hmm. Um, with new opera, I don't know how you do that because you don't know what the notes or the libretto are. You've never seen it before. But it'll be interesting to see when opera people, if they do come to see the show, which I hope they do, you know, how they respond to it. And it'll be interesting to see how theater people who, you know, I mean, Sweeney Todd is, may as well be an opera, right? Hmm. I mean, there's, it's, it's all sung. Um, so what will they make out of, um, this in relation to their experience with musical theater, or just theater right. in general? Who knows? That'll... <laughs> well, now that you're in rehearsal, are you getting... So the people who are part of... The, your vocalists yep. are opera people. Um, I don't know. You haven't really gotten intensely with the working with the musicians yet, but are, what is their take as as opera performers on this on this anti-opera? Yeah. So they're, <laughs> they're open to it. They're excited by it. Um, it's asking them to do things that more so than just make beautiful sounds. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, that, that people like to be as sort of have as much skin in the game as possible. And mm -hmm. they don't want to just be thought of as a voice um, packaged in a body. Um, you know, any performance is tricky. And like I was saying, every show is sort of, you start from scratch. So when you, uh, when you add on things that are unfamiliar or, you know, um, that people don't, haven't been asked to do before mm -hmm. that gets you know you, you push some buttons right um it's it's sort of too early to tell and but i think that everybody has said that's really cool the musicians they did have one rehearsal uh that i wasn't able to attend we've got some great musicians michael we have two music directors michael knowles and leilani fennick and michael is sort of responsible for the musicians and he's going to be the primary conductor and leilani has been working with the vocalists and is going to be playing keyboards in the orchestra okay um and so so michael has been able to find some really great musicians the thing with opera that's very different from theater and i don't know if this isn't true in my past experiences doing operas with theater companies. I've never worked with an opera company. I've seen opera companies work, and I've talked to a lot of opera people, and they tend to not understand why theater people rehearse so much. <laughs> um, and I, it's hard for me to explain it when that question comes up. I go, I don't know, because it takes a long time to make something good. Or mm -hmm. Often it's just because that's how actors learn lines right. um, or how they um, sort of... Um, get to their organic blocking. Uh, but opera singers, with classical material anyway, they come in knowing it. So mm. they go, why do I need to rehearse? I'm just going to park and bark, or okay. maybe you're going you're to give me an acting note that is not really that important anyway because the people are coming to hear the music, and then i got to get out of the way of the set moving. But mm. other than that, <laughs> you know, so, so it's, it's a really, it's, 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 I'm, I'm having a really good time so far with the five vocalists. They are uh, uh, opera people. I think that a couple of them have done some theater. One of them is uh, a work study, uh, an intern here, Imani, um, who is a uh, freshman 
VCU theater major, I think. Okay. So she is, she's coming out from the other side, which is she's a theater person who's okay. sort of being exposed to opera and going, oh, this is sort of odd. Huh. It's not how I'm used to working. So I think so far, so good. But, you know, that's the other amazing thing about what we do is that it doesn't matter, you know, where you come from or what your frame of reference is. The, 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 the way you assemble a show is sort of across, you know, it's, it has similarities across all disciplines, right. um, which you just have to repeat it over and over again yeah. <laughs> and ask questions and figure stuff out and, um, you know, take huge risks. Um, yeah. Going back to this line about, well, I hope it's good. I, I, I went, oh, my God. I mean, this is this is big risk, right? <laughs> I mean, everything always is a risk. And I imagine everything at the moment is the biggest risk ever. Right. But this is... This seems like um, there are a lot of people, right? Yeah. So there are 15, 16 musicians, five vocalists, a few designers, consulting artists, um, you know, a couple of stage managers. It's a big group of people. And we're all sort of just, um, you know, taking a leap of faith and right. thinking that, well, on January 16th or whatever day we have an audience, Ooh. that we will we'll know our stuff. Hmm. So that'll be part of the excitement for people to come, whether they like opera or not. It's like, what happened here? That's right. That is, that's a good attitude to come in with. Yeah. It's like, what happened here? Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Well, um, we're going to be continuing to talk about To Damascus in the weeks to come. Um, I also wanted to ask one final question about the firehouse in general. Yeah. Um, how, what, what your perspective on firehouse is going forward in 30 seconds yeah uh in <laughs> I, I i you know where new lives we're just gonna we have i'm i'm committed to doing more new work there's no percentage in doing revivals of published plays there are other theaters in richmond that can do those just fine they don't need somebody else sticking their nose in that business um and you know the pretty spectacular amazing thing to me and i'm sort of surprised that the media is not seeming interested in covering this story is Walter Braxton is a local Richmonder born, right. raised, lived here all his life. Yeah. We're doing a world premiere of his opera. That to me is a headline. Yeah. We did Bo Wilson's new play Food, Clothing and Shelter. Again, a native Richmonder. And we got Doug Jones that is all teed up for a premiere um, of his show Songs from Bedlam, which was done as a workshop. I'm not positive about who did it. I think it might have been Quill, but okay. not sure. Yeah, not sure either. So we're doing him next season. Um, we're doing One in Four, which is a piece by Levi Mirovich that was done at Capitol Fringe. Um, so, you know, in, in some of your blogs, you've been sort of pounding the drum about this. Why aren't Richmond, you know, folks embracing Richmond homegrown art right. and uh, it's 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 a good question and it's an important question because the future of all of what we do isn't about how many revivals of our town can be done right it's how many new voices can we get into the mix and um so i'm optimistic um and it's you know the other thing i want to say is it's really hard to write a play and it's really hard to do a play so um you know, it's not like just because I, I think it that I can do it. I got to <laughs> find the scripts. I got to find the people who are willing to do it. I got to right. raise the money. And then, you know, like your blogs have been 
stating it's it's not just the media understanding it, but it's audiences right. willing to take right. a risk to see what happened here. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep working, getting those audiences out if we can. Yeah. So come on out, see to Damascus. It opens on January sixteenth, seventeenth. I think the previews are starting in the sixteenth. Yeah. Officially opening on the eighteenth. Come see it. Um, we are still figuring out what it's going to be. So uh, it should be exciting. All right. Well, thanks for coming out. Thank you. Dan. I hope I didn't say anything that got me fired. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. That'll do it for episode three of the Firehouse Forum podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you to all of my guests. That was Kim Fox who is the, will be the musical director for Wings at Firehouse in February. Look for that. Um, you will be hearing more about it um, here and in blogs and um, online all over the place. And she is also going to be behind the piano for Georgia Rogers Farmer's Next Cabaret at Triangle Players. That will be uh, opening on January 12th and 13th. Um, and thank you, of course, to Miss. Mrs. Farmer herself for coming in here and talking about the Rebellious Resolution Review. And um, finally, thank you to Joel for Joel Basson, director of To Damascus, which will be opening on January 17th here at Firehouse. We hope you come out and see it and um, join in the exploration of what that's going to be. Thank you to uh, Ryan Digert, who is our sound engineer, and of course to Jason Marks, who has, who did our music. Um, we will see you in a couple weeks for our next episode of the Firehouse Forum podcast. Thank you. Mm -hmm.